Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Good morning, an announcement was made at the Supreme Court. And I want, I want you as a Bible-believing Christian, we don't get caught up, or should not get caught up, in Republican and Democratic issues. We don't, I, I'm not pro-life because it's what Republicans are. Listen, one day, every single Republican and every single American could be pro-choice. But according to Genesis 1, that is wrong. And I'm going to show you that here in the Bible. So before we turn in our Ephesians, because probably over the days and weeks ahead, you're going to be in a conversation with someone, and you're going to need to know, why do I believe what I believe? And actually, Genesis chapter 1 and Psalm 139 answers that question. And when, we, when you pull out these scriptures to people, there is no argument. You never have to worry about arguing over abortion. You never have to get to the point saying, well, I just hope my political party... Listen, we aren't bound by politics. So when you walk up to people, no matter if they're a Republican or Democrat, you probably walk up and hold your Bible and say, I'm a Genesis 1. I believe in the Lord. He is who I stand by. Look here. This is actually rooted in the character of God. And it comes from Genesis 1.1. The very first thing that God did. There's a key word here on this, on this little um, canvas. See that word created? Y'all see that word right there, created? That comes out of Genesis 1.1. That actually comes from the Lord. The Lord is a creator. So look here in your Bibles. It says in God's Word, in the beginning, God created. The very first act the Lord did is He creates. So you say, what does He create? Well, the Lord hit part of this. So this is an attribute, meaning this is who God is. So when you use that word created, we are part of the creation. His being, the definition of God, is creator. That's why that's so powerful, that word there on that canvas. So skip down to verse 26. Let's take a look. What does God create? The first few days, first five days, he cre He's creating the fish. He creates the birds, the water, the world, everything we see here. But then we get to day six, and we're in verse 26. And God said, let us, who is us? Us is a reference to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was involved in creation. Let us make man in our image. We, as people, are created like God in His image. We are the only part of creation that's created in the image of God. We all love animals, and that's good. God, I believe God actually created animals for us. Animals' creation is part of, it testifies to how great the Lord is. There's no, there's no accident. Plants, trees, the beauty of, of, of all of creation testifies to the goodness and the greatness of God. But when he got to day six, when the Lord began to make us, 
or when it says, let us make man. And notice, the word us, that's the reference trinity, all of part of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, was involved in the creation of man. The other creation weren't, weren't like that. But we were created in the image of God. What does that mean? That means we have an attribute in our life that rest of creation does not have. And that is we, God, or his definition of God is he is eternal. He does not end. There is not going to be an ending time for the Lord. Because we are created in the likeness of God, we have received what we call a soul. That is the eternal part of our life. That's why Jesus tells us, even though you die, you continue to live. He's reminding us that you might physically die, spiritually, or physically die, but spiritually, you will continue to live on. So this is what sets humanity apart. This is why when Jesus died on the cross, he's not dying for all part of creation. He's dying for us. He's dying for the people who have souls who are created in the likeness of God. So let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. That's the triune God right there, our. And then it goes on to say, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. God has given us authority over the rest of creation. I mean, he says, we've got this other creation out here, but I'm going to make man. Adam and Eve here, they are going to be the finest part of all of my creation. This is humanity. This is where we came from. Verse 27, so God, look at this word, created man in his own image. There it is again. That's the soul, that's the eternal part of who we are. This is why it's so important that you get saved. Because when you're saved, you're not just saved here on earth, you're saved for eternity. That's why in every single Bible study class, that's why I wear blue wigs on Thursday here at VBS, to act silly, to really the ultimate goal was to teach children about Jesus and how to be saved. In every single class of every single day, you have an opportunity to get saved at VBS in my class. And I teach the older children Bible study. Because why? Because we were created in the image of God. And these children, and along with all of us, will live forever. He created him in the image of God. He created them. Look at this, male and female. We were created for God. We were created as male and female. There it is. That, these verses remind us of who we are as people. So you say, well, what about the womb? Okay. Flip over to Psalm 139 in your Bibles. David wrote these words. David was the king of Israel. David was a man after the Lord's own heart. And God had a plan for David, and he had a plan, or he has a plan, 
for you and every human ever born. And it says in Psalm 139, verse 13. So when someone comes to you and says, well, people in the womb, they're not really people. You remind them that all people are created by God. Based on Genesis chapter 1, God is a creator. He creates male and female, and all of this was good. God called his creation good after each day. Creation isn't bad. And then we get to verse 13. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Look at this. These are positive words about creation. Even in the womb, David is saying, God, you made me. Like, I'm not an accident. I'm not a mistake. This is a wonder. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. Do you know the Bible describes the earth when it was first created as formless? When a at the very moment of conception, David is saying it's like part of earth and creation. I was formless. God takes nothing and makes something. See, again, this is what's rooted in the doctrine of God. Who is God? He is a creator. It's His being. We're not creators. We're the creation. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Folks, that's why I'm pro-life. It's not over politics at all. It doesn't matter how people vote. It doesn't matter what other folks say. Genesis chapter 1, Psalm 139, seals it for me. God makes it very clear about why we believe stuff. And the Lord is telling us He is a creator. He takes what had no form and He makes it. So, over the weeks ahead, if you find yourself talking about abortion, Roe v. Wade, you always bring the conversation back to these verses. This is ultimately what's, what's rooted. It's rooted in the doctrine of God. And that's why it's wrong for us to take what God creates and destroy it or say, no, this is wrong, this isn't right. So you say, no, the Lord affirms His creation. So I wanted to share that. Roe v. Wade, has been, uh, it got overturned after uh, nearly 50 years, 49 years, this past Friday morning. And, um, and there will be a great need here, in, not just in our community, but also throughout America, for places like Sunrise Children's Services, as well as local crisis pregnancy centers, such as Assurance. And I'm glad our church this week, this week we're giving our largest offerings ever to both of those organizations. So I commend you as a church as we give and as also as we stand on God's word for that. Open up the, your Bibles now to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to be looking here about living in God's grace. God makes a difference between someone who is lost, someone who is spiritually dead, and someone who is saved, living by God's grace. And the Bible is going to tell us here about, about reminding us about the power of God 
where he is and where he sees. One of the great things about the Lord is we know two things. He has been resurrected. Jesus came out of the tomb. He came out of the tomb, and then he stayed here on earth 40 days. The Bible says he appeared to 500 people, and then he ascended in the book of Acts chapter 1. He ascended into heaven, and the Bible actually tells us right now, if you're wondering, where is Jesus? Jesus is actually at the right hand of God right now. As I speak, as you listen, the Son of God, who is part of creation in Genesis 1, He is right there in heaven at the right hand of God. So that is where Jesus is. The Bible is going to tell us that right here. So we come, and when we worship the Lord, the Lord, He is right there with His Father. And by the way, the Lord has uh, nail marks in His hands and His feet right there next, reminding all the world that He died on this cross for our sins. He exercised this power in Christ by raising Him from the dead and seating Him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given. Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That means Jesus, no matter what country you live in, no matter what kingdom or king you're under, it doesn't really matter because Jesus supersedes all other kings All other kingdoms, no matter how great America becomes or how bad America becomes, it doesn't matter because the Lord is there at the right hand of the Father. Not only is He Lord here on earth, He's actually Lord in heaven. Even when we die and we stand before God, Jesus will still be Lord of our lives even in heaven. He reigns under the earth, in earth and over the earth. He reigned in the past from creation all the way to the future. We see that Bible verse, remember, He is in total authority. This is how wonderful our God is. So no matter how bad things get here in the world, we remember our king, our allegiance. It's actually to to one who's already in total control. He's reigning on earth. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church meaning God has chosen the church. God has chosen Broadway Baptist Church. Remember, the only organization the Lord ever started was the church. We love all our nonprofits out there, and that's good. And supporting those is good, but God actually established solely the church. This is why your tithe goes to the church, because the church is what the Lord established. Now, we give to other organizations too, But your first and foremost of your giving and your time and your resources are right here at God's house. You support your church. Listen, nonprofit organizations aren't holding BBS. Nonprofits aren't baptizing people. Nonprofits don't give invitations for folks to get saved. Folks get saved, have the Lord's Supper, have BBS, get baptized, point people to Jesus at the church that was established by the Lord. And God has chosen His church that He will work through. The church of Jesus Christ is built on the Bible and we point people to Jesus. Folks, if you are part of a church and they are not preaching the Bible, they aren't leading children to Jesus, they aren't teaching folks how to be saved, you need to leave that church and say, I'm going to go find a Bible-believing church because Jesus is the center of the church. And the day we live in today, just because someone says, 
they, they claim they go to this or that church, does not believe that church is teaching this book. You have to say, okay, is, is this preacher, is this church, or is it a, is it a scripture-based church? And folks, that is actually the strength of Broadway Baptist Church. We might have a lot of problems here at this church, but we actually don't. But one for sure, I know we don't. We don't have any doctrinal issues, at least not any that I know of here. No one here is teaching hearsay. No one here is pointing people to Buddha. No one here is saying the Bible is wrong. And the Bible's telling us Jesus is head over everything, including the church that he created. He told Peter, and on this rock, Peter, you, you're going to be the rock. I will build my church, starting with you, starting with my 12 disciples. I'm going to, I'm going to build something that will last all the way into eternity. He says, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Don't miss that little phrase. The church he's talking about is the body of Christ. That's what he describes. So if you ever meet someone and they're very critical of church, or they're very critical and feel like they don't even need to go to church, they're basically saying, or they aren't basically, they are saying, I don't need to go to church because I can be apart from the body of Christ. You need to watch out for that person. They will pull you down. Because a a born-again believer understands what that verse just said. The church is the body of Christ. What you're saying when you don't need to go to church, I am so godly. I am so good. All these other little hands here, they, 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 just, they don't know. But I don't need to go to church. Even though it was established by Jesus. Even though Ephesians chapter 1 says he chose to work through the church, I am so great, I don't need it. Folks, those type people, you shouldn't listen to them. They're telling God that they don't need what he created. They're telling the Lord they're better. If someone is miserable at their church, they need to find another Bible-believing church. They don't not go to church or be critical of church. The church was created for us to worship and serve the Lord. And when you don't participate in that, you're saying, that's not for me. That's why I'm so glad our church... We're being intentional in reaching people from Africa here in Lexington because the church is, it's a worldwide church. All people, all nations. And we have a mission for right here in our community. And our city is so lost. Folks, yesterday, do you know downtown? There was a parade downtown with thousands and thousands of people celebrating something that actually God sent a flood to destroy all of mankind. And those people down there were actually celebrating the very sin that God actually destroyed the earth for. When we see stuff like that, we are reminded that the only hope is Jesus Christ. The only way to change people is the gospel. And I tell you, I took Elizabeth to the mall. Every single store, if you go to Fayette Mall, the month of June, oh my goodness, every single store has bought into this. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Have you all seen this? You can't get away from rainbow flags in the month of June. Every single business, everywhere you go. Back a few years ago, I used to say, well, I'm not going to do business with that company because now, literally, I don't know what, where you could even do business if you believe that. It wouldn't be possible. I share this because this here is our world. 
that we live in. And it's going to take us as Bible-believing Christians who are rooted in Christ, who are under the lordship of Jesus Christ in a local church, to say, God planted us right here in Lexington, and this is our, it's, our mission starts right here in our community. And there's plenty of missions, plenty of opportunities. You don't have to go far at all. Keep going here in your Bibles. Look at the contrast that God's about to make. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. This is some of the richest scripture you're going to read in the whole book of Ephesians this whole summer. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. When someone is spiritually lost, they are dead. If you are friends with people who are not saved, if you are dating someone who's not saved, if you're married to someone, if you have children or grandchildren, and they're not saved, the Bible describes them as dead. You're literally hanging around dead people. Because the Bible makes a contrast to those whom are spiritually dead. They might be physically alive, and they probably are, probably not hanging out with a physical corpse. But they're, they're, they're spiritually dead. Meaning they do not know the Lord. Jesus Christ has not redeemed and saved them. They have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. They do not have the power and authority that God gives to His creation. And we're going to see He gives that to us. It says, in which you previously walked in your old life, you used to be this way. You were a wicked man, a sinful woman, according to the ways of this world. Look at that phrase, the ways of this world. The ways of this world, that's everywhere we go today. The ways of this world is acceptance. The ways of this world is uh, promoting uh, anything you won't go. And if you aren't careful, if I'm not careful, you, if you're just drifting along in life, you will find yourself going along with the ways of the world. Worldliness has such a draw and power on our lives. So much of folks of sharing the gospel with them is helping them see, sir, you're going down the wrong road. You're lost. Billy Graham was asked, he passed away in 2018, and he was asked shortly, just that few months before he died, in early 2018, what's, he said, the question is, what's the most important thing, Mr. Billy Graham, in the whole world, other than salvation, that I need to know. Like, I know I need to be saved, but what else do I need to be aware of? And his answer was, right before he died, the brevity of life. Meaning he knew how short life was. And what happens to people, to people who are spiritually lost, when you're living this worldly, walking the worldly lace, you are literally wasting your life. That is a day you will not get back. And that's one less day to live for Jesus. If you didn't bring your children or grandchildren to VBS this past week, that's one less VBS for them to attend. You skip church, that's one less Sunday you have. And what happens is the pull of this world is always on us. We're constantly battling this, realizing the time is short, the need is great. Lord, I'm here giving you my life, serving you. Because there's two ways to walk. He says in verse 2, 
Your old life, you're just walking along in this worldliness, in this uh, sinful, dead ways of trespassing, the Bible describes it. Meaning you're just lost. And those people are all around us. We are surrounded with dead people walking around us. Spiritually dead. Verse 3. The latter part of verse 2 says, According to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Who's, who's this power of theirs? Is this the Lord? No. This is the prince of this world, and that is the devil. That reference in verse 2 says there is this other power working that's sucking people. They're just walking along, and he's, he's working in these disobedient meaning people who are worldly are actually, they don't even realize it, but they are living their life in disobedience to God. And they are so blinded to it. And God is literally saying, you're lost. You're spiritually dead. They're just walking along, living a disobedient life. Do you know why God sent the flood to destroy mankind? Because of their disobedience to the Lord. He looked out and says, oh my. Only Noah and his family are the only righteous people left. The whole world is disobedient. No one is honoring the Lord. Let's just wipe them out. And he killed them by water, by flood. He flooded the earth. The Bible says he never again will do that. Flood the earth. That's why he gave us the rainbow. The rainbow. Every time you see a rainbow flag, you should be reminded that God sent the, the rainbow as a reminder that he will never again flood the earth. But the reason he did flood the earth is to wipe out the disobedient. That's what the rainbow flag or the rainbow actually means. And the Bible goes on to tell us here in verse 3. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. That meant people don't even realize it, but they're just walking along, and they're actually children of the devil. They have no idea they're so blinded to the truth. What the devil actually does, he takes God's truth, and then he reverses it, and they believe what God said is true, that's actually a lie. And then they take... The devil takes the, a lie and he says that's actually true. How you know someone is lost is what God says. Listen, if God says something is wrong or sinful and then someone else comes along and says, oh no, that's right and the good thing to do. That is exactly what the Bible is saying. You have to watch out for When you start taking a truth and make it something that's false, you're literally reversing what God said. And that is what the devil does. That's why there's confusion, moral confusion, all around us here in 2022. And we're reminded that that's expected because that's what lost people do. And they don't even realize it. People who do not know the Lord will reverse God's truth. Folks, this is why it is so important that you know what's right and wrong. And you know what the Bible says. And you know Genesis 1. You understand God is a creator, and he's part of his creation. But God, this is where everything changes in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, 
because of his great love that he had made for us. He made a great love that he had for us. He made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead and trespassed, he's the one that saves us. He has to redeem us from this backwards thinking. He pulls us out of this. He says, you made us alive with Christ. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Grace is an, a gift that we receive from Lord, the Lord. It's unmerited, meaning we don't deserve it. So when God does something gracious to us, it's not something that because of my good deeds and my good works, no, I was dead. Dead people can't save themselves. Dead people can't walk. Dead people can't serve the Lord. Dead people have to be made alive by Jesus Christ. Someone first gets saved, and then through their salvation, they do good deeds for the, for the Lord. You are saved by grace. He also raised him up, us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavens of Jesus Christ. So we will see the throne of God at judgment. We will see Jesus at the right hand. So that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For you are saved by grace through faith. That faith, in a little bit, we're going to have an invitation for you to get saved. What an invitation is, is you are saying, I'm going to have faith. Faith is how we respond to God. So we respond to God, we cry out to God, we call out to God, we say, Lord, I'm realizing I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I'm dead in my trespasses. And I need you to make me alive. You come to God and say, Lord, save me. Save me. I can't do it. I am lost. I need you to give me salvation. We don't save ourselves. The Lord saves us. We respond to God. He saves us. That is what the Bible is teaching here. That is why we call people to cry out to God. We call people to respond to God. Because we're asking the Lord to save us. So when you pray for a lost person, you need to specifically pray. Say, Lord, pray that you move in their heart so that they realize they are spiritually dead and they need you to save them. Because the way they're living is not salvation. No matter what they do, they're lost. And it goes on to say, verse 8, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. He didn't have to do this. He could have allowed Adam and Eve to die in the Garden of Eden. But he chose. He chose. You know what? I'm going to save humanity. Even though they have sinned and been disobedient, I'm going to begin the process of sending my son to save them. And that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Instead of wiping them off the face of the earth, Adam and Eve, he, he began the process of saying, I'm going to save them. Now, there was a lot of journeys through there. We had to go through the flood. We had to, we had to also go through a, a wickedness and rebellion from God's people. But we've arrived at this point where God has sent His Son so that we preach and teach and communicate this message that 
Only by Jesus Christ, only by faith in the Lord, are people saved. It's not from works, so that no one can boast. No one can brag about their salvation. No one here can say they're, they're spiritually better than someone else. They're not, we're not. God doesn't, you're either saved or you're not saved. That's it. There's two categories on earth. You're either spiritually dead, or as the Bible says, you've been made alive in Christ. And this, this is what's very eye-opening. I was talking to David Dell a week or so ago, and he was telling me back in the old days, you would just go to church, and folks were, you, church was basically just praying for lost people. What we're going to do tonight, Raphael, praying for families. And I tell you, there's a great need for praying for families. You would just meet folks and say, we need to put him on the prayer list. The prayer list was not everyone with cancer who's having surgery. The prayer list, Brother Hurt, was everybody needs to be saved. Because you just said, these people need Jesus. These people need the Lord. This, this boy of mine needs to turn his life over to Jesus. Because what's ultimately the most important thing is you're spiritually dead, or you've been, as Ephesians chapter 2 says, you've been made alive. And spiritually dead is the default setting in life. Like you come into this world when you reach age of accountability as spiritually dead. Last verse here. For we are his workmanship. Again, who, who's the workmanship there? It's the Lord's creation. That goes back to Genesis 1.1. The Lord is the creator. He has created us. We're his workmanship. Created in Christ. Look, notice that word there used. Created in Christ. It's like that old, our little canvas here. We were created in Jesus Christ. For good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. God has a plan for you this morning to do good works, good deeds, and to point people, to pray prayers for people to get saved. God wants this church to be doing wonderful things and exciting things for the Lord. God wants to see revival in our church. We want to be a church that has a mighty rushing of wind, of excitement of what the Lord is doing. And how does that start? It starts by realizing, I'm made alive in Christ for the very purpose, because I'm created in Him for God's workmanship, to do good deeds. So I ask you this morning, first of all, are you dead? Are you spiritually dead? Have you ever cried out, called out, and surrendered your life to Christ, saying, I need to be saved, because I can't save myself, and I find myself just walking along the ways of this world. That's our cultural drift. That's the default setting in life. Living for Christ means you are going to be someone who says, no, I'm not going to live this way. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be saved by the Lord, and I'm going to spend the rest of my days giving, serving, and going for Him. That is our life. That is what it means to be living in the grace of God. Lord, I pray you take these words and you seal them on our hearts. Lord, I pray that we hold dear to the gift of salvation. Lord, you have a saving power in our life. Jesus, we come during this invitation and we respond to you. Lord, we never allow 
a time of invitation, a time of response to pass by. Lord, if we don't respond publicly, I pray for us in our pews, we will be praying for someone we know to be saved, some dead person to be made alive in Christ. Lord, thank you for your word. We pray this time is your time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. David Dell is going to lead us in our song. We're going to have our time of response. If you want to get saved this morning, I look, out in the, I look out in the pews, I see faces I don't know. I see people I don't know where you stand with the Lord. If you want to get saved, you come, take, you come walk this hand. You come take my hand and say, Pastor, today is the day I want to be made alive with Christ. Let's stand together. David's going to lead us in our song. We're going to be singing a song of invitation, Respond to Jesus.